This episode is sponsored by Mint Home Loans. With mortgage interest rates nearing all-time lows, now is the time to see what options you may qualify for. Make Mint Home Loans your trusted partner for all your mortgage needs. In today's times, your money matters. Shop local with Mint at 410-458-6847 for any home loan questions you may have. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. I'm your host, Dustin Plantholt. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Yet some stories seem more riveting than others. That is to be expected. After all, some stories are the basis for movies, others for books. But hidden in every one of us is a story, is a code. A story that started long ago with your ancestors. Our guest today is Marco Greenberg. He's an advisor to several of the most successful founders of startups, corporate CEOs, venture capitalists, and members of the Forbes Billionaire List across many industries. Marco has seen firsthand that those who climb to the pinnacle of success in their fields do not follow the standard rulebook and instead are driven by their innate, instinctive, intuitive, and yes, primitive traits. Let's welcome him on now. Marco Greenberg, welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Hey, Dustin, an honor to be with you. All right. So you've come from the space of helping others. You know, when we talk about in life, this purpose and this drive, how did you find that? I mean, to give back to others, doesn't it cost you something? Well, I think part of my own journey and the journey of a lot of people would be put under the bucket of people-pleasing, putting others before ourselves. And I think one of the things that we need to do collectively as a community of people is to continue to put others as a priority, but to also put yourself as the priority. But how do you do that? I mean, aren't we by nature narcissistic where it is easy, but how do we still find empathy along the way? Right, right. Well, I, I think like a lot of things, it's about balance. And I think we we can walk and chew gum at the same time. There are certainly people out there that fall into the trap of being too egotistical, and that's a turnoff. But there are other people, and I, I feature them in my book, Primitive, Tapping the Primal Drive that Powers the World's Most Successful People, that are able to do both. In other words, one of the things that we talk about, Dustin, is that primitives, and this is an archetype, right? We mean primitive in the pure and positive sense of what's non-conventional, what's non-conformist, how people can march to their own drummer, be free spirits. And what we found, yes, they can put themselves first, and you don't have to be selfish to put yourself first, right? It's a necessity, but they can also look out for the other. So we can do both. As just a quick example, in the primitive lexicon, we have an acronym called roaming. And I can go through that if you like, but the G in the roaming, the last letter, stands for gallant. And one of the examples that I'm most proud of is featuring a woman named India Howell, 
who got off the civilized train. She was very successful as a businesswoman in the Northeast. She went to Tanzania. She climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And she said, I want to fulfill a lifelong dream that I had since I was a child to open an orphanage. And wow. that's exactly what she did. And I visited her on the orphanage. Later, she was profiled by 60 Minutes. So I, I think this notion that they're mutually exclusive, that, that you have to either serve others and forget about yourself or only serve yourself and forget about others is a misnomer. So you can find a balance because like you being able to be around or having interviewed some of the world's most successful people, I do find the common trait for all of them is that while while they do help others along the way, typically they're aligned with how do I get further? And when I'm further, then I can help even more people. Well, I think some of the the truly successful breakout um, stories that we hear about, whether it is Bill Gates, whether it is Robert F. Smith, who made some incredible announcements and donations over the last year or two, uh, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, whether it's Ariana Huffington. A lot of these people fit into my own lexicon of being more primitive, being more primal than always doing what we should do or what we must do. So again, what I'm trying to do without being the next Carl Jung, that would be quite arrogant, who came up with extroverts and introverts, I'm trying to make the case that in this world of rebels and mavericks and disruptors and change agents and iconoclasts, there's actually something much more deep going on. There's something much more primal that extends back thousands, tens of thousands of years, and society has taught us to behave in a certain way, stand in line, wait for the promotion, wait for success to come, whereas really breakout successful people often jump the line or cut the line, and a lot of them overcome tremendous disabilities to do that. One of the people we talk about in the book is Sir Richard Branson, who, when he was interviewed by Freakonomics Radio, admitted that he didn't know the difference between net and gross, and he was already a billionaire. Isn't that amazing? So many of these people, they too are learning along the way. So it kind of brings me to my question is that, do, are you born this way? I mean, do you have this in your, your DNA, your DNA? Is it a resiliency code? Do you have this fight in you? Because I've met people, Marco, that quite frankly, I would say, I don't think they have it. I, I, don't, I don't think they can. Or are you telling me that everybody is designed this way? I, I think we all have the ability to go deep and access what's innate and what's intuitive and what's inborn. There are some people that it comes much more easily to them, right? We know the characters in our own lives, the copywriter who might come into work at 11 a.m. while everyone else has to get there at 8.30, and she just, you know, is a free spirit who does her own thing. We, We have countless examples like this, but while most of us are crossing the T's and dotting the I's and worshiping process, the people that really get ahead, and when I say success, I don't just mean monetary success. You've talked about this a lot, Dustin, in your own podcast, Life's Tough, with with the value of making that positive impact, the value of having independence, the value of having some 
fun along the way. All those are huge. But to directly answer your question, yes, we can tap into that and we can learn how. We might not be a quote-unquote uber primitive, take someone like Elon Musk, who in my book gets literally the checks in all the boxes, but we can access that. One of the most civilized people I know is my sister, and she read the book, civilized meaning grounded, non-confrontational, measured, etc., etc., she said, wow, I've realized maybe I've stopped taking risks. What can I do in, in your philosophy to get more primitive? I said, Laura, the great news is it's not that hard. Let's look at a couple letters in the, in the acronym ROAMING. Let's think about how you can be more gallant with your community. And she already does a lot of nonprofit work. Let's talk about how you can be do even more of that. Let's talk about how you can be more agnostic and not just wedded to what you did in Hollywood 20 years ago, but using those same skills in another area. So I, I think the feedback I'm getting from people of all races, all religions, all genders, I, sexual I, preferences, et cetera, et cetera, is a lot of these people are coming to me and saying, that's my problem. That's right. I've been too civilized. Yeah, and, and I've been of, too civilized. Uh, that's such a great insight. One of my uh, my mentors, so I consider myself like a, a mentee of his, his name is Dan Pena. Uh, he's aptly known as the Trillion Dollar Man. Uh, I had the opportunity to go out and film him uh, early this year in Scotland and get to know him for an upcoming documentary. And he labels high-performance people this way. He says, high-performance people have larger, more expanded comfort zones than most. So yes. how do I get outside of my comfort zone? Because we all have baggage, as Dan says, from our upbringing. I mean, isn't that a part of life? How do we evolve or how do we devolve to kind of go back to say your ancestors were tougher than you? How do we toughen up? Yeah. Well, well you're a, a, an amazing example yourself, Dustin, about overcoming about resilience, about persistence, about zigging while others zagging. And I think, like the book uh, for young parents called The Blessing of a Skin Knee, that sometimes it's okay if your kid gets a little uh, skinned up, uh, roughed up in the playground, there's also a blessing, uh, a disguise, a silver lining, if you will, for those of us who've had to overcome adversity. There'd be no way that I'd be where I am today without some monumental setbacks. And, and in the book Primitive, I, I'm, I'm an open book, pun intended. You, you, you dig and, into and it. I, I dig into it, and I, and I recount what it's like to be, uh, when I was in my late 20s, uh, told that my dad you know, came up and walked up uh, uh, the, the fifth flight of a walk-up apartment in New York City, flew in from California, and said, son, I have some bad news. And he was 54. Mm. And I said, dad, what? He said, I went to Sloan Kettering and they've given me six months. Mm. And then there was even more bad news, not as bad as that, but the news is we're broke. I had a father who was a self-made millionaire who in a real estate crash in the early 90s, there were there were more liabilities than assets. So to, to, to see that there are different ways to react to that. I think some people react by being more frugal, more closed-hearted, more risk-averse. Um, 
I reacted to that with the help of uh, a great therapist, with the influence of amazing people that I've been fortunate to work with over the years, whether they be the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or the founders of tech unicorns or mad scientists, crazy artists, was to, uh, if I can use a sports analogy, put the ball in the air, take more risks. Be a little nuts. That's one of the things that, you know, we talk about in the book is the value of the good side of being a little crazy. So many of us have had hard beginnings. I think those among us that can transform those tough times into good times are the ones that will get ahead. Yeah, that's it's a great way of putting it. And you also talk about making curiosity your priority. I mean, Marco, I, I remember a quote from when I was young, didn't curiosity kill the cat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. So one of one of the other people that we profile in the book is is Kirk McDonald. Uh Kirk is one of the top 25 executives at AT&T. Uh he happens to be African American. He had to jump out of his classes and withdraw at the uh, City College of New York CCNY because he simply didn't have the money to pay the tuition. He then started from the bottom and worked his way up the media and tech industry to where he is today. And and part of that is is by being gallant and looking out for others. But I'll never forget in the first meeting that I had with Kirk, he said to me, I look for two things in employees. I look for self-motivation and intellectual curiosity. Intellectual so I curiosity. Think what a great way. Intellectual of curiosity. So I think what what we've been told, and and you and I have talked about this before, is that society has made us embarrassed oftentimes to ask questions. I tweeted something out the other day from the book that Harvard Business School did a study that little kids ask hundreds of questions a day. When they become a teenager, it's only two or three. So when people are, it's such a sad commentary, isn't it, Dustin? Yeah, and, it really and, is. and I think we're, we're, we're paying a price for that, both individually, but also collectively in organizations. When you're surrounded by people who are not curious, that often leads to a, a yes culture that all everyone is a yes person, shaking their head, being, being afraid to to challenge well, then to let's challenge dig in a into that way. because we now live in a day and age where you're expected to be politically correct because I, I will tell you what i know of my ancestors the scots they weren't politically correct the yeah, last yeah. thing they were worried about was i don't want to hurt your feelings they didn't live that way so why do we do that now when the people right. that got us here they weren't as sensitive as we are today well well, well look on, on one hand there are many people that would say that the title of my book is not politically correct. I had an anthropologist who I spoke to said, you can't use the word primitive. It's disparaging. I said, I understand that some people might look at it that way. I mean it in the most positive and pure way, but I also am deliberately reclaiming the word. So to answer your question, it's about how we do it. It's about picking the right words, but it's also about creating a culture where disagreement and, as I say, oppositional thinking and behavior is not just allowed, but it is encouraged. Isn't it so healthy I, to disagree with people in a respectful way? Like you challenge what you think and why you believe it. 
Oh, absolutely. Let me give an illustration. When I worked at the advertising agency BBDO in their Tel Aviv office, BBDO is one of the icons on Madison Avenue. They invented, invented the brainstorm. One of the things that we were taught in the brainstorm is that we can't disagree. We have to always say, hey, that's a great idea, Susie, or John has a wonderful point, etc. Well, they've done research about that, too. It turns out that the most successful results of a brainstorm actually come when people disagree, when they challenge each other, when they said that won't work, when they wrestle with concepts and ideas and themes. So, again, it, 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 it's about how we do it when we do it, but if we're living in a culture that shuts out any kind of disagreement, we're going to be in a very sorry state. So I think one of the, one of the acronym, of the acronym, the O in roaming, and I'll just go through real quickly, Justin, if it's okay, relentless does not just mean working hard. It means always shooting for that big prize and trying to capture the big target. O is oppositional. I'll get back to that in a second. Being able to say, I disagree. A is agnostic. You can jump from field to field. You don't have to be wed wedded to any device. You can be flexible and nimble and agile. M, which I'd like to talk about also because it relates to ego, it can, is messianic, right? We really have a divine purpose. I Secure. That, that's right. I think that a lot of people out there have a lot of bravado and a lot of confidence. But as I like to say to my employees, sometimes employees, sometimes being a little anxious is underrated. Right. So, uh, you know, the, 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 and then finally, we have a little bit nuts and we've talked about gallant. Mm -hmm. So so I, I think this can provide a pathway. One of the people I feature in opposition is my late friend, Danny Lewin, who went from rags to riches, became an Internet billionaire at 29. Someone that only two years earlier was concerned about how he was going to pay the rent, came to my wedding with no credit card, had to sleep on the floor because he couldn't afford a hotel room. Boy, what a story. And then, and then was, was, his wealth was estimated between 2 to $3 billion. He did it by challenging people. He would sign off emails saying, you're behind. He would bring out the best in people by critiquing, but also praising. So I think part of the, the roadmap to being truly successful is the ability to give yourself permission to not be coarse, not be cruel, not be crude, but yes, be oppositional with others so we can bring out the best in each and every one of us. But how do I know if I'm designed this way? I mean, so th these are things that I've seen others do that I know that it can be done. I mean, anybody that says it can't be done, we've now heard stories of people that they say it can, and it will happen different for, for different people. But let's say there are people around the world right now, they're kind of stuck in a funk or that they've They've been working on something for years. They've given it all they have, but it just still hasn't happened for them. They haven't found a way to break out of it. And because success is different for each person, how do you reach the place where you know you've given it all you have? Yeah. Well, the, the, when I talk about relentless, I'm not just talking about toiling away. I know people who have worked on the same concept for 20, 25 years, and they've gone through their savings and it hasn't worked, they should have quit long ago. Some of the more successful people that I've worked with, they know when to 
take a sharp right turn. They know when to take a sharp left. They know when to make a U-turn. So I think people out there that are struggling right now, and certainly we have heartbreaking levels of unemployment. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, et cetera. It's a collective existential moment to take a deep breath and realize it might be one step back before the two steps forward, but to also really do a gut check, hence primitive, primal. What do we really want to do on our limited time on planet Earth? You started the conversation with, you know, how I, I got into this, and I, I've I've always put my clients in in front of myself, and I've I, I'm actually speaking to you from a client's office right now. But one of the things in writing the book that I realized that I needed to do to write it and to finish it and to market it is being messianic about what it is that I have a destiny to do in this lifetime? What do I have the most zeal about? What do I want to, in the name of a, of a, of a wonderful client, to Kevin, Dr. Kevin Tracy at the Feinstein Institute, who talks about slaying dragons? A lot of us have had that inculcated out of us, right? Yeah, we have. Part of the lesson is getting back to that little kid. Do you know what I did as a little kid in Southern California? What'd you do? I called up to WABC Talk Radio as a 9, 10, and 11-year-old trying to get on the air and express my views on the news or just get on Dodger Talk. Hmm. But then when I was at CBS News working as an intern, I was full of shame. I was blushing. I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not right enough. I'm not smart enough. Shooting on myself, or in the words of the, the famous psychologist who founded behavioral psychology, Albert Ellis, engaging in masturbation, I must work uh, in the government. I, I shouldn't be in the media. So I think people can get back in touch with that little child in themselves about what were those dreams that you had, and how do you want to fulfill them. You might have to do something that you consider beneath you now during an economic crisis, but don't lose sight of the big goal. Wow, that's phenomenal insight. So who are the people that inspired you, though? I mean, now to get to the place where you're able to tell others of your journey. I mean, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a, a long journey to even write your own book. I mean, who inspired you to say, now's the moment, now's the time for me to capture this? There are too many to count, but I'll give you one. He's my literary agent, Michael Palgan. And it's not just what's written in the acknowledgments about him and other people. I was originally, as a marketing guy, as an agency guy, as a PR guy, I was going to write about what I know, right? That's what people tell you, write about right. what you know. And I was, so I was going to write about how to get it out there. It's a cluttered, crowded environment, et cetera, et cetera. What do we do? Um, and then my agent said to me, um, you can be more original than this. You can... You can be able to um, talk about like something that's original, not something just about the work life that you do, your day-to-day. -day. What's connected the most successful people that you've worked with? I said, well, what's connected them is they're friggin' nuts. And then I went home. That's a good way of putting it. I got on I've my interviewed couch, a few of them. I'm like, nuts. no, I'm telling you, some of these people are nuts. They're nuts. They're, they're eccentric. They're out there. 
They they are a people who are just have a different way of looking at the world, a different mindset, right? And 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 I don't want to disparage mental illness, etc. I also have had struggles of my own and struggles of my family, but they're nuts in in, in a primal way. And I got back and I started just writing an acronym. Well, we're our cell phone is roaming when we go abroad. Um, but people are roaming, right? Like our ancient ancestors are roaming. And that's when I came up with the acronym. So, so, so many people have motivated me over the years. That's one example of, I thought I was going to write about X and someone forced me to go deeper, to, to, to think more clearly, to get in touch with what, what, what it's really about, right? There's a great book that I want to recommend to your many listeners. It's called In Praise of Wasting Time. And it's written by a professor of physics and humanities at MIT by the name of Alan Lightman. Do you remember the book Einstein's Dreams? Yeah. So he wrote that and many other bestsellers. And he came out with a book based on a TED Talk about two years ago. And we're in this society of always being productive, always being busy. Yeah, someone, how they're doing? Oh, I'm busy. That's as if that's positive, right? Yeah. He's about wasting time. And he was on with Oprah on YouTube. I'll send you the clip. And it was like just being in his environment on a small boat under the stars and being able to really slow it down and contemplate. And that's where the great epiphanies happen, right? That's when it and begins. And we have to allow ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, I, I call instead, it the, the aha moment. You get the aha. You get the aha, but do you know what the problem is? Most people, yours truly included, are more like 911 operators. We react. We're reactive to the latest text, Slack message, Facebook posting, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, rather than setting our own agenda. So, so for people out there that have been supporter of the book, supportive of my book, let's, let's say like Barbara Corcoran. Barbara blurbed my book, gave a testimonial, and she texted me a couple weeks before it came out. And she said, Marco, is there any way that you could change the title of your book and the subtitle? Because it's really now during COVID how the most successful people use that primal spirit to power through adversity. Hmm. So she's someone that's had a lot of adversity in her life and, and you have in your and and it's it's out of Nietzsche, brother. That which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Absolutely. And, and you see oftentimes People have had it too easy, and uh, it doesn't end well. Yeah, the, the people that you and I both know, some of the most successful people, the one thing they are not is volunteer victims. They don't sit back and say, well, because of all these bad things or because of my... They look forward. They say, all right, I can get there. It can be done. And they don't feel bad for themselves. So how did you, oh. not, how did you not become a volunteer victim? I mean, your upbringing, the, oh. the story that, of your own journey, how did you tell yourself, I won't get there? Or did you have moments that you were there? Always had moments. I think I've had defining moments. And I was actually part of an organization called Defining Moments. And part of the exercise was to look at defining moments in our own life, where we could have gone this way or that way, but either we made the wrong decision, we were fortunate to make the right decision. The, 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 the not feeling sorry for yourself, wow, 
is that like one of the most important things for anyone? I remember when I started a video production company, and it was between a successful venture in Internet 1.0 and what I'm doing now, and and to try to put a video company together doing web video before but YouTube, very difficult. I lost $2 million. So at the very end of that journey, I interviewed a friend for a documentary for the production house, and it was called Real Biography. And he had the final stages of Lou Gehrig's disease. And he was talking through a tracheotomy through his throat. And he said, we have him on tape saying, want to feel sorry for yourself? Nobody's going to save you. Commit to life. Powerful message. Upside no, upside no limit. That was Mark Mel, the late Mark Mel. So when you s- surround yourselves with people that are not phony positive, that are real with it, they can acknowledge anxiety and adversity. Hence, I see the insecurity as a, as, as a favorable thing within reason, right? Keep that flame a little low. If it's too high, we're going to get burned. But too many people shy away from that. They're scared of that. So for me, being inspired by those kind of people along my journey, doing reading, listening to podcasts like yourself, we can work on ourselves. We're all we're all in development, we're all moving targets, we're all in motion, and we can step back and we can see each other's, ourselves from a distance and make tweaks, make adjustments to make our lives better rather than just saying, it is what it is. My response to that is, it is what we make it. Well said. Well, Mr. Marco, your book, Primitive, Tapping the Primal Drive that Powers the World's Most Successful People, has truly inspired me, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. Life's tough. Marco Greenberg is tougher. Thanks again, Marco. (laughs) Thank you, Dustin. When we talk about everyone having a story, Marco has a story. He has shown us that inside all of us is this ability to become primal, to go primitive, to fight for things that we believe in, to not quit, to not give up, to become curious of the things around us. Burton Braley said, if you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, if you gladly sweat for it, fret for it, and plan for it, and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, if you simply go after that thing that you want, with all your capacity, strength, and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern for tenacity. If neither cold or poverty, famish or gout, sickness or pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim, you besiege it, you'll get it. And with the help of God, you will go further. I ask you, what is your takeaway? What is your story? Here you have Marco, a man who started like you and like me, hopefully with a goal and a mission to get through another day, to make the day better than the one before. Marco has spoken to the world's most interesting people, high-performance individuals. His takeaway was one that anyone can do it as long as all it takes is all you got, that you must be willing and committed to your cause to not quit, to not give up, no matter how hard it appears. But along the way, you're going to have to make 
choices. You're going to have to make some corrections. Maybe you get into a business for the first time and it's not working. You've started something that you believe in and others don't see it. You might have to make some changes. But where Marco has driven home the point is that the world's most successful people, they do have something in common and they're able to tap a primal drive. I encourage you to go pick up and buy Marco's book, Primitive, Tapping the Primal Drive that Powers the World's Most Successful People. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. 